It's a good show. This is Manor James Keenan, and everything I learned about winemaking, I did not learn from Drinky Fun Time. You know what time it is, don't you? That's right. It's Drinky Fun Time, where we drink booze with some of the most interesting people at the coolest places around. So grab a drink, chill out, and enjoy the show. Yes, yes, it is Drinky Fun Time. And you can tell right away, we are at a fucking rave, man. No, it kind of feels like we're at a rave, but we're really at a wine festival. Uh, We're at the 8th Annual LA Food and Wine, where they are blasting music at an ungodly level, but we're going to try to we're going to try to make it through here. They are. Uh, it's our second episode here at LA Food and Wine, and as we mentioned in the first episode, we're actually in an airplane hangar. We're at Santa Monica Airport. That's why the sound is carrying so much and just sort of uh, getting in the way of our words. So hopefully, well, you can at hear least us. at least when we asked them to turn it down, they only sneered at us right, instead that's of true. throwing us out. That is uh, true. So we, as Emma said, we're this is Emma Patterson, by the way. Hi, Emma. Hi. So Emma. Uh, we're here, L.A. Food and Wine, and, you know, in addition to having the wine, there's the food, and the people making the food are happen to be some of the best chefs, cooks. In America. Culinary experts. Yeah. In I, the world. Let's get the person on. Yeah, let's get it on. We got one sitting with us right now. He is, uh, he's originally Canadian, but he migrated from Canada down to the south to Georgia, around about Georgia Way. Uh, he is one of the uh, most well-known chefs in the South. You know him from Top Chef. It's all over that Top Chef. Yeah. And he's, he books, you're doing books and, and, and things and all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a warm, drinky, fun time welcome to Hugh Atchison. Hello, Hugh. Thank you. It's good to be here in this room. Hi. Yeah. Good to see you. So, uh, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, you said this was like a rave. It's kind of like a rave of uh, middle-aged, older people. It's so they tipsy at this point. But, yes, it is, <laughs> it is like a rave. It is a little bit. How do you feel? So, you do, you do a lot of these festivals. Do you feel the, the ambiance here, which is bordering on uh, senior prom? How does it feel? <laughs> the decor is a little prom line. Do you mean like? seniors as an old people just it's senior yeah exactly um, it's different no it's great uh it, it, la food and wine's always a great festival and it's a lot of fun so um but yeah we're at the santa monica airport uh schlepping some terrine That's yeah good. tell us about the terrine it, it's spam right basically uh oh. it's amazing how many people come to a food and wine festival and don't know what a terrine is is what i'm noticing today and it's amazing, as well as uh, this is the uh, 800th food festival I think I've cooked at. Um, but the people still come and will sit right, stand right next to the sign, announcing exactly what your dish is in full definition, and then say, "What is this?" <laughs> it's like, well, it's it's actually written on a fucking sign. You're so assuming um, people can read, though. Can I? Can I ask? Well, yes, I am. Because I'm shocked that my co-host thought it was like spam. But, but uh, as I understand it, it's like a layering of a meat in different forms. Is that not right? It's a layering of a meat in different forms. Into you know, that's, like a that cake is way, way too philosophical. Oh, thank you. And then you brought cake into it. And so, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, a a terrine is a force meat uh, that's baked in a form. Uh, in this case, it was cooked sous vide under a vacuum uh, in a water bath because you can... Uh, 
get the exact temperature that you want to, to, to where everything is safe and sound and still really moist. So in this case, it was layering of pork uh, that we butchered down a whole hog and uh, made that into a force beat and then added panade to it and uh, leeks and did leek inlay on it. And then it was served with a mushroom mustarda and leek uh, that was pulverized after it had been dried into a powder. This sounds really complicated. And then uh, tetragona leaves, which are kind of a member of the ice plant family, also called New Zealand spinach. Interesting. Well, it what was you, food. What would you drink with that? What would you pair with that? Uh, I'd probably pair a really dry Chenin Blanc with that. Okay. Not like really sec vouvre would work really well. So what do you normally drink, Hugh? What are you, what are you drinking? Because right now we got some red wine in front of us. We got some, this is the Round Pond, not to be confused with the Big Lake, Round Pond, Napa Valley, all estate grown. This is a Cabernet it's Sauvignon. A Rutherford wine. Rutherford, yep, that's, that's up there in the Napa Valley. And this is a 2015, about 75 bucks a bottle. But Hugh knew a guy, so we got it for 30. Yeah. You, are you a Cabernet guy? I get a discount. Um, you know what? I'm not a huge Cabernet. I mean, I, yeah, I drink all sorts of stuff. I'm a big Burgundy fan. Burgundy is some swell wine. Some yeah. swell wine. If you can afford swell it. Swell people. There's a lot of great value in Burgundy, too. You just have to go there. You have to know the people. I drink a lot of 70 Le Bones. I drink a lot of Gamay's from Beaujolais. That sort of stuff, which is not extravagantly expensive. Once in a while, I really do enjoy enjoy a Grand Cru Burgundy, but you know, for the par for the course, you can get a great twenty dollars bottle. Well, how much are you working with your in your restaurants? How much are you involved, or is that something that you kind of lay off on your wine director, your sommelier? I mean, in terms of the wine, food, pair, are you intimately involved in that aspect of the restaurants? Not intimately. I mean, I, I, I sleep with bottles around me. Yeah, yeah well, who doesn't? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, uh, the, most of the wine programs of the restaurants are handled by a guy named Stephen Grubbs. Can you tell us a bit about Stephen? He's, he's worked for me for like almost 19 years, and Steve started as a busboy and uh, is a very pretty well-renowned wine psalm now. What does it mean to be a psalm? Is it something you can do solely as a day job and live on? Oh, yeah. All restaurants... High-end restaurants have one. I just was curious. No, it is not a side, all restaurants is have it one. a side I mean, gig? You no, it's not a side gig. Sometimes it's a a waiter who has a propensity to love that stuff, and that's what Steve started as. But now he's full on just is the wine director for four of the restaurants and okay. uh, big job and knows a lot about the subject. And I used to write all the wine lists myself, but you know he's taken it over over time, and I don't actually do much. Uh, uh, just drink the wines now. Yeah. I mean, for anyone listening, Chef Hugh, I'm going to call you. Um, actually, you have four restaurants now? Four? I think so. You think so? You see, I think having one restaurant must be pretty stressful. Having one restaurant and coming to big festivals like this and leaving it behind, you'd imagine, would be like having a child and leaving it for the first time. Is it the more restaurants you have, like, the easier it is to just get out and do other stuff? Yeah, but, I mean, they still feel like abandoned orphans. Yeah. To use that analogy. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that once you have, when you have one restaurant, you're working at it 90 hours a week. When you have two, you're frantically running between the two. When you have three, you're beginning to be able to disappear. And when you have four, you've instilled enough staffing of great skill and 
mindset and philosophy and uh, energy that you hopefully don't have to be running around like you, that anymore. You learn to trust your own judgment. You, uh, you, to trust your own judgment. You've learned to install people to, and train them to yeah. be and at the level get, you want to be. And when you get to, to five, you sell it to a huge company and retire. And when they you get never to like a thousand, you change your name to they Wolfgang Puck. That's right. They yes. write, write books. How much You've you written a few books, haven't you? I've written a few books. Yeah. Particularly interested, by the way, in your pickling book. 50, it's, pick, it's called pick, pick a Pickle. Pick a Pickle. And I mean, what a unique concept. Not unique, but It's actually not a even a book. It's like a paint palette that folds out, which is... Uh, is that true? It, it's true. What? Uh, yeah, it's like cards that have a thing. It's like literally a paint palette. Um, but it, it it's it's done great. Yeah. Yeah, it's done really well. By the way, Emma, I met Hugh a few years ago at, at, uh, at Pebble Beach Food and Wine, and it was when American Wino came out. And he's from Athens. He lives in Athens, Georgia. And I knew that he was friends with, friendly with the guys from REM. And in the book, there's a mention of my brother. There's a whole REM theme that goes through with this song, Night Swimming. And I mentioned it to Hugh and, and gave him a copy of the book. And that was it. I, there was nothing more to it. And then some, one day somebody says, hey, man, you're on the REM Facebook page. And there was a really nice mention on the Facebook page from REM about American Wino, and it took me a minute to figure out where it came from. This guy over here Hugh. passed the book on to the REM guys. You did that. Very, very nice. That. It was really nice. That's really nice of you. What's really nice is that you did that and didn't feel the need to tell Dan and ask for money, because he would have paid you. <laughs> oh, no, you know, come on. Um, Chef Hugh Atchison, can you name all four of your restaurants? Can you even remember the names of them? Yes. Go ahead. Let's hear it. The National, 5 and 10, Empire State South, and Atchies. What about your books? Can you name all your books? A New Turn in the South, The Broad Fork, Pick a Pickle, and soon to be Huvid. Huvid? Huvid. It's like sous vide. That's oh. very clever. We're not sure what's that's it, the title. What's it about? I'm kidding. Sous vide. I, I, I get this. Um, um, for a lot of people listening, um, Hugh does a lot of work with southern food, and you live in Georgia. But you're from Canada, so are any plans to do some Canadian dishes or some recipe moose, books? Some moose, maybe? Some moose, lots of game. Yeah, Canadian food is amazing right now. It's really interesting, the food scene up in Canada. But still is an identifiable cuisine. It's more built around ingredients. And then the actual dishes are few and far between that you could really look at as a historical dish of Canada. Poutine. Poutine. A pork pie called tortillere. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other content Canadian food, but it's more baby, about... Baby seal. Baby seal. No, they used to do the baby East seals Coast. up in Newfoundland. I can't what are you even look at you. used to? cannot look at you. see that? That's right. We have no problem way, with that. You know what's funny about that when you say that? Cause so where we are right here at the Santa Monica Airport... There, it's, there's famously, there used to be a sushi place right next door to here, and this was a kind of a famous story. They were serving whale, okay, under on the sly. So this, these people did a, a this uh, environmental group did a, uh, a sting operation where they came in with a camera and they and they went in several nights in a row and got to know the owner and they're drinking and just dropping money. And then at one point they said, "Hey, how about some of that special?" And the guy says, okay, let me. And he, and he went and he got the whale and served them whale. And guess what happened next? 
everywhere is like, this tastes like chicken. This tastes <laughs> like, <laughs> I know it? baby seal when I've had it. No. Uh, and yeah, they shut the place down. I don't know why I'm bringing that up. Is there a favorite part, the seal anatomy? That's... And I, you know, I've never actually eaten seal. Well, that's your next book. <laughs> it's your next book and it's your last book. <laughs> what what yeah. should it be called? Like sealing the deal? Sealing the, sealing the deal. Sealing get, my fate. Get well, listen, Hugh Atchison, we'd love to keep you on and, and continue to talk about killing uh, animals illegally. Uh, well, you guys have been wonderful. Thank you for coming on my show. Um, yes. I really enjoyed it. Um, well, you guys Hugh, have fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're the best. Enjoy. Thank you very much. So that was Hugh Atchison, and we're so lucky today at, at LA Food and Wine because we just had a, a big chef there in Hugh Atchison, and now we have two big chefs, and I mean this literally, two big motherfuckers right here. They're, they're giant <laughs> men. They're huge. They're big guys. Uh, first, from Wilshire, where we've done the show before, Wilshire in Santa Monica, a favorite place of ours. He's the chef there. He's, he's doing the TV. He's doing all that stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, warm, drinky fun time welcome to Brendan Collins. Woo! Yeah. Thank you very much. How are you, man? Very happy to be it's, here. It's good to see Thank you again, you. as always. Thank you. Every time you have us into Wilshire, we love it. Great. We're going to do more shows there. And then we've also done a show at this next gentleman chef's restaurant. He has a place. One a couple, of his restaurants. He's got a couple. And the one we did it at was called Gwen. You know him from... Uh, if you go into the post office, you see the wanted signs. You probably know him from there. <laughs> Not only in the America. It was a long time ago, Dan. A long go. time ago. And in Australia, he was in Mad Max. I don't know if anybody knows this. Starred in Mad you Max. Really? He was the star of <laughs> Mad Max. Where are you getting this from? Australia's own. <laughs> Curtis Stone, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Hey, now. Thanks, guys. Hey, now. How you doing, boys? I'm good. I'm good. good. How good? are you, mate? I'm good, good mate. It's good to see you. We don't see each other as much as we used to. It's so true. How do it's you true. guys know each other, Brendan and, and Curtis? Well, you... when you said there was a wanted sign, I thought maybe you'd been talking to Brendan from our old days in London. <laughs> exactly. We used to get up to a bit of mischief together, Brendan and I, when we lived in, we lived in London. We worked together in restaurants. Uh, we worked for Marco Pierre White back yep. in the day. At the Savoy? No. No. Oh, we're Provartis. Provartis. Ah. Yeah. All, uh, all, all of those 17 years ago, when we <gasps> were young, oh God. hot, Good-looking, wifeless, you look the, fabulous, whole, the whole nine yards. Yeah. <laughs> so this was 17 years ago, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, 99, 2000, right? Yeah. 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 What yeah. was that time like? Because it Fantastic. sounds like you had a blast, but the stress <laughs> must have been quite high. Oh, it was super stressful, but that was what was so brilliant about it. You know, it was a time that we didn't have political correctness and we didn't have all this nonsense and no one had to... You didn't have to think about what you did. You were just able to go and work for a great chef who you knew what you're getting into, and he'd be yelling and screaming, and that's why we went there. But you you know, know, so we, we yeah. loved it. I also tell my friends, I also tell my guys a lot that back back in those days, we had a crew that was really talented. We had a really talented crew, yeah. and everybody knew their job, everybody knew their place, and everybody just went to work and did what they were supposed to do. There was no yelling, no screaming, very very little yelling, very little screaming. Everybody was talented. Everybody was hardworking. Everybody knew what they'd set themselves up for, and everybody went in and busted their ass. It was oh, really good. There was a good. bit of yelling and screaming. I mean, I remember that time that you uh, threatened to smash someone's teeth down their throat. But he was a waiter. No, he was a waiter. <laughs> that was me last time I was eating. That was me last time I ate at Wilshire. Who was this? That's a true and, story. Uh, where are they we, now? Well, they're pro well, I don't know where they are now because we left. We, we're 7,000 miles away, but... 
It, was, it was probably a waiter or a runner. Uh, because honestly, the crew was good back there. We had it's a good true. crew. We yeah. had a good crew. But you know what? It was like, it was just a different attitude. So you didn't take that kind of stuff personally. Yes. You really didn't. And, you know, we all would go and have a beer at the end of, the, at the end of our shift. Um, and we uh, were all friends. You know? But so let me ask good. you a question. In the current, things have changed in, in all industries across. The, how, how much has that changed, you know, now in the, in, the sh in the cooking world, in the kitchen? Because you can't talk to people the way, you know, now if you tell somebody, if you yell at them to do their job, you're going to end up on TMZ. You know, you've, you've right. emotionally abused he them. He is. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but do you have to worry about that? I mean, honestly, is that a concern now? Like, you got to watch how you talk to people yeah, now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a changed environment for sure. And look, I think in some ways it's a much better situation because you do have to stop and think a little bit. Um, it can get a little ridiculous. You know, we can get a little litigious and a little silly um, when... At the end of the day, you're all hopefully trying to do the exact same thing as one another. Um, but I don't think it's changed that much. No, I think, you know, good, no. good restaurants will always be... No, I think, I think, honestly, I think that as, you know, as everybody gets older, we all get a little bit more mature, we all get a little bit more wise, we all get a little bit more focused, and you start to learn how to man-manage people. At the time when, back in those days, we were all in our kind of early to mid-20s, you know, we were all we were all kind of we were really all kind of at the same level, right? You know, so we were driving each other more than driving, you know, one or two people. We were driving each other, and that's why we excelled so well. And you were probably all completely hopped up on drugs. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, it, was, hey. it was it was it was London in the nineties. Of course, we were. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. Well, I mean, it is a part of it. It's I mean, like obviously, rest in peace. Like that was a thing that Bourdain chronicled in Kitchen Confidential that people don't talk about a lot, which is. That is, you know, in the bar world, the world we're in, in the, in the restaurant world, it's something you, you've got to deal with, I guess, as managers and owners, is like finding that balance between people partying that business what, and what people, people... What people do after work is their own business. Yeah. I guarantee you, though, in the professional kitchens, whether it was in the 90s, the 2000s, or the, you know, the teens or whatever we call it now, no one's taking drugs during, during work. I'm no way. But what, what they do after work, that's their own business. Yeah. Nobody was doing drugs. Well, what about those long hours? What about like keeping that consistent sort of mentality? Were there not drugs around that just? No, I, rem I remember. I remember being the first person at work with the post chef, Mikey. Remember Mikey? Yeah. And we would put on two pans of milk, and we would literally pour a half jar of Nescafe in each milk and whisk it in. It was all caffeine based. It was caffeine based. What they did after work, that's a different kettle of fish. That's a different you, story. Uh, Dan, they're talking about uh, dehydrated coffee granules. That's what we drink in England. That's cafe, baby. You yes, don't know what you're missing. <laughs> no, you do. You do know what you're missing. Not much. Well, you're, miss, you're missing nothing. I mean, um, I, I usually do a bunch of cocaine before I do this show, but it's only because, uh, you know, I'm kidding. Never do drugs. <laughs> I don't no, you're right. I, I do smoke pot because it's legal in California. You can admit to smoking pot. Producer Rick is so stoned right now. Look at him. <laughs> Rick, are you with us, Rick? He's not. Rick, Rick, not. Rick, Rick, Rick. Okay, why are you not sharing the love, Rick? Uh, how do you guys feel about the wine? We got a, we got a little white wine going over oh, here like from Lumpa. Yeah. yeah, a little Chardonnay. Tyler, yeah. Tyler, Tyler is not What bad. else you got over here? We got this brown pond and we got this. So we got Tyler, the Santa Barbara Chardonnay. Yeah, we got a lot of wine. Uh... I, sorry, I didn't catch what the red is. Um, the red. This is Round Pond from Napa, a little Cabernet. Yeah. Um, now, you, uh, Curtis, especially at Gwen, yeah. which is just meat, man. It's fucking meat. There's so much great meat. Mm -hmm. How Your wine list there has got to be heavy 
on the red wine, right? It is heavy on the red. And look, we're lucky because at our other restaurant, Maud, we do these experimental menus where we sort of, we travel around the world to different wine regions and we come up with a menu out, you know, around the region. But as a part of that, we obviously do pairings with all of the wines. So we've, we've been in um, Burgundy and Rioja and now the central coast of California. So we can establish some pretty significant relationships with people to give us some stuff that is a little harder to find. Yeah. But, you know, in when we have, so so we sort of, we benefit a little from those relationships and we get our hands on stuff that's um, not readily available. And we have Bordeaux and Burgundies and, of course, a lot of stuff from California and even Australia, where I'm from, great Shirazes and stuff that works sure. well with red wine, with our yeah. red meat. And, Brendan, are you, how involved are you on in the wine list at Wilshire? You know, the, the, we, we have... Over the last sort of 12 months, we've really changed the menu. So when you change the menu, you obviously have to change the wine list with it. We have a lot of old wines that have been there for years. That you know, we have a huge wine cellar down there that's that's really well stocked. So we've had to we've had to kind of make make moves on the wine list, change things. We Wilshire are actually a lot more fish heavy than we are we are meat heavy. So uh, you know, we're a lot more whites, rosés, light reds. Um, but we've also got an amazing wine cellar that's been there for years, you know, um, that's, that's, that's heavy on old wines, expensive wines. Um, but, you know, what, what, are you asking me what I, what I do? Yeah. You know, I, I, I tell my, my general manager, Jimmy, who Jimmy. is my wine guy. Jimmy's who, my you boy, know Jimmy, well. Jimmy Bradley, man. You know, yeah. I tell him, listen, this is, this is the way that the, the, the menu's, this is the direction that the menu's going in. You have to make sure the wine list is going in the same direction. So there is synergy in that. Um, but, you know, I leave it down to the experts. I'm not a wine expert. I know what I like, but, you know, what I like is uh, very different to what the mass is like. Sure. So. I and will it, tell you something, though. You're a Brit. You're going to understand this. If you insist on changing that wine list every time you change the man menu, that would irritate people back home because they don't like change. We like that. Oh, where's the chicken? Where's the chicken with that wine I really like? Well, we changed it. Why? Well, can I still have the wine? No, that's gone too. It's... It's annoying. So how do you? Well, like, it's all about. How do you deal all, with that? You know, I was talking to Curtis about it earlier. We we'd not seen each other for a little while, which is unusual because we're pretty good mates. Um, but I was telling him, you know, we took this on. We took on this a massive restaurant, and it really is a massive restaurant. It's nine thousand square feet, Whew. and um, you know, I just got the chills. Instead of doing a one eighty, we had to do ten degrees, ten degrees, ten degrees, and change it slowly but surely because there was a there was an existing clientele. And they are expecting, and but there wasn't enough of an existing clientele, so we had to attract new people. So you've got to make changes. You have to. No choice. No choice. Otherwise, why? yeah, but you have to make changes. Otherwise, why are those people not coming in the first place? Uh, right. right. Well, yeah. and you and you and you. By the way, you, you're you have a great lo the location itself. For those who've not been there, you walk into Wilshire. There's a, a bar right in, really really beautiful bar, great room, and then it sort of goes layers. You go out back, and it starts to move down, and you're outside, and it kind of opens up, and, and you get out in this beautiful area, oh, and you're and you're in Santa Monica, and then there's that little private room in the back that you've yeah. got it, it in terms of the layout of the place it's a fabulous it's an amazing it's eat. an amazing yeah. space unfortunately has not been run correctly for periods of time and it's upset people and when you're in a when you're in a city like Los Angeles where word of mouth is a big deal yep. you know yeah you you know now we've come in we're in we're a new management team new restaurant team new kitchen team and we we, we have our direction we have our we have our image we have, you know, our philosophy, you know, so we have to do everything, but we have to do it small because we don't want to lose people. 
Yeah. And for that, the food changes, the, the, the service changes, the wine list changes, the cocktail list changes, but it has to be done so smartly and so incrementally that the ones that love the place, they don't notice. Right. Don't but notice. The, people uh, that, the people that don't come or the people that have stopped coming, they notice. And they'll come back. The Sunday roast will stay is what you're saying. Oh. I mean, listen, my Sunday roast is not going anywhere. Is that, ah. your, is that your signature dish? No, it's not my signature dish. It's maybe my signature service. You okay. know, we, we, did it, we did it at Waterloo and City. We did it at Birch. And now we're doing it at Wilshire. And honestly, I know this sounds terrible, but Sunday afternoon is probably our busiest day. No kidding. Yeah. And it's like it's like a it's a. But you do you do a like Sunday roast like no one I know. You it's really Christmas do, every you day. Out of the I mean, guys, let's cast your minds back. To, you're in your, it's it's the nineties. You're in your twenties. You're working in London. Yeah. Would the idea of you both owning restaurants in Los Angeles back then have been like blowing your mind? Because I guess at that time it wasn't probably a food capital that it might seem now. Like how what if you got went back and spoke to yourselves? What would you were now. <laughs> I mean, there's no way we would have seen ourselves in LA. Right? You remember? You remember? I came to you and I said, "Oh, mate, I'm moving to Los Angeles." And you went, "What? What do you mean you move into Los Angeles?" I, was What's like, I, I mean? couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And it was all over a girl. I think I tried to it talk him out of it. It was all over a girl. It was. I was like, was, "Mate, you're out of it. your mind. You never go to Los Angeles." And here I am, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> look. Well, and, and by the way, yours is even, yours is even, it, Maury, if you're going to put in the fantasy element, not only are you going to move to L.A., have your own uh, several restaurants, you're going to marry somebody from 90210, literally, <laughs> like literally going to marry, not not a, a woman who lives in 90210, a woman who was on 90210. Yeah, Dan is referring to Curtis because that's a big leap from where you came to be here. And yes, you are having the most American LA experience, I guess. You know, our industry went through a crazy change globally. You know, yeah. when, when Brent and I were cooking, we were literally the stinky chefs that got out late that, you know, had to had to come up with a scam to get into the cool nightclub, you know. <laughs> um, and, and over the last 15 years or so, the pendulum has definitely swung and now cooking is seen as this cool thing and you know, a lot of young kids are sort of choosing it as a career choice. And, and look, that's amazing, right? It's amazing for us because we're looking for young people to employ the restaurants. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, look, it's, it's been uh, fun. But, yeah, no, L.A. was a million miles off our thought patterns. And, um, but L.A.'s gone through a crazy trajectory too, you know. Like 20 years ago, it wasn't the best place in the world to come and eat. No. And now it is. It's, 10 it's years ago it wasn't. Right. Let's be honest. Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah. and I'll tell you what, you, you, anybody visiting L.A., you could do a lot worse than than Gwen and Maud and Wilshire, uh, which is where which is where these guys are, are cooking food, and it's the best service you're going to get too. I mean, unbelievable. As as Brendan mentioned, our buddy Jimmy is uh, Jimmy and Aaron are running the show over there at Wilshire, and they're doing a great job. And then Curtis has the best people working for him at Maud and at Gwen. That's why we record our shows there, Emma. Congratulations on everything. Yes, thank you, guys. I want to thank. On your show. I want to thank LA Food and Wine for having us out. I want to thank uh, whatever we're drinking here. What is this? Brown Pond, and what's that one? And Tyler, the Tyler, Chardonnay. Tyler, and this one. And producer Rick is—he he took some time out of his pot smoking schedule to come out here and do the show. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank uh, Emma, way, Emma Patterson, as if always. If producer Rick's mom is listening, he doesn't smoke. She's hot. like 90. She's not listening. Uh, she is 90. <laughs> she is. 
I'm not making it up. Uh, Emma Patterson, of course, always. I couldn't do this without you. And uh, what are you guys' names again? Oh, that's right. Uh, for, you go to Wilshire, see Brendan Collins, tell him that Dan and Emma sent you. It'll get you nothing, right? Nothing. They'll get nothing They'll free. get you some love. They'll get you some love. Of course they'll get you some Maybe love. Maybe some baby. Some love. And then, of Dan course. Who, Dan who, though? And uh, Emma who? Yeah, that's right. That's the problem. <laughs> and, of course, Gwen and Maud. You know him. You love him. Curtis Stone, thank you again, man, thank for you, coming mate. on it's the show. Nice to see you again. Good to treat you. And I guess and you, that's Dan. the end. Thank you. Hey, you guys want some hats? We got hats. Oh yeah, I want a hat. Fucking hey, man. Let it go.